ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. Watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Bayheim! Is that silence in a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Stop up. It. Pop pass in the middle. Tucker's got it. Room to run. 15-10. Hit. Hit in. Gregory's touchdown. The Bills make me want to Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It goes to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On the Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. Radio 97.7 FM heard wherever you are, whatever you are doing. ESPN app seen, heard, and everything in between on the magical, mysterious, wonderful, stupendous, amazing, one of a kind. My favorite child. QSportsTalk.com. Just kidding, honey. My daughter's probably listening. That's, uh, boy, that's, that's not. That's not. I think we'll over well later. Yeah, I was talking about her fish last week. Now I'm calling the website my favorite child. Yep, that's not going to go well tonight. Anyway, you know what I mean. We love QSportsTalk.com. It's growing up before our very eyes. A place where you can watch a radio show. You can chat during a radio show. You can get the show within the show. Well, what's that? Well, that, friends, is the secret hidden bonus menu item. When the radio audience goes to commercial break at QSportsTalk.com, we do not. We keep the microphone on. We keep the camera on. We keep talking to you. You get behind-the-scenes access, exclusive commentary, questions, and uh, sometimes recipes at QSportsTalk.com, including the show within the show. So if you are taking us in there, greatly appreciate it. But if you're listening on the old-fashioned radio, listening digitally on the app, or however you're taking us in today, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate that. It's Friday. It's one of our last Friday football shows of the year as uh, Super Bowl 57 has to be determined. And before it is, we will give you the pick two. I don't even, you know... I mean, I got to watch, right? Like, you kind of have to watch football when you do this job, but I'm not going to lie. Sitting down watching Cincinnati and Kansas City on Sunday, that's uh, that's going to feel like work. That's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. It hit me today. I was like, ah, it's, mm, Buffalo? But Buffalo? Have any Buffalo? Have we, have we seen? Where is Buffalo? Have we seen them? Any? Oh. I'm sad. But we will get to it. We will do our jobs. We will press on because we've got Cincinnati. 
Kansas City, Philadelphia, San Francisco. Super Bowl 57 has to be determined, and we will do that for you. We've been whittled down from the pick six to the pick four to the pick two. Well, we'll jam as much into the pick two as you need to know for all your Super Bowl prediction needs. That is coming up later in the show. Coming up here in this hour, we'll talk uh, plenty of Syracuse basketball, of course. We're going to talk Syracuse men's and women's basketball because joining us later this hour is uh, Tim Leonard, who is the voice of Syracuse women's basketball here on ESPN Syracuse. A pretty impressive win and a uh, pretty impressive individual performance. And, you know, stop me if you heard this before, that Daisha Fair is scoring big-time points, but not like she did last night at the Dome and Coach Jack's team went from scoring. We talked about this with Coach Jack earlier in the week as uh, Felicia joins us every Tuesday here on the program, sponsored by Wegmans of Bill Rapp Superstore. And they had scored three games in a row in the 50s. And then all of a sudden, let's drop 90 on somebody, right? So we will get the the the, the breakdown of that from Tim and just what this team's situation is. We talk so much about the men's team and are they going to make a run at the tournament, what's the women's team situation there, and some things to look for as uh, we're about to flip into the last month of the regular season here. So it'll be good to talk some women's hoops with Tim Leonard. Uh, Tim certainly follows all things Syracuse uh, closely, so we'll get his opinion on a couple other things as well coming up later on this hour. Uh, we lost a Titan, and I don't use that word lightly, but he certainly was in the world of college basketball. Billy Packer passed away, if you didn't hear. We'll reflect on that a little bit during hot takes later in the show. Um, If you're not aware, we should make you aware of this, and we're going to have a little fun with this later in the show, but uh, sad news today, kind of melancholy in a way, that uh, both our friends uh, Josh and Matt on the producing end, this will be their last day producing for us on this show, both uh, gentlemen are moving on to some other opportunities. So Josh is still going to be around doing some things at the station, but his uh, new position that he'll tell you about later on is going to take him off this show. So uh, we're sad about that, but uh, we'll certainly uh, honor those gentlemen properly. I couldn't think of a better way to send them off from the show than to put them on the blind side. I asked them to do the blind side all this time and produce the show and do the spectacular job that they have done. We're going to put them in the hot seat together later on in the program, give them a proper send-off, so we'll have some fun with that later on. And we will hear from you throughout the show at 437-7644 and in the chat at QSportsTalk.com. But we got a game day tomorrow, so let us uh, wake up the voice man, see if he's ready to roll here. Number one. Sharp as a tack, that voice guy. Five keys to victory as Syracuse heads to Blacksburg to take on Virginia Tech, a team they have already defeated and is their lone quality win on the season. Syracuse certainly in search of more quality wins, and they've got a couple more opportunities here. They need those quad one and quad two wins desperately. And here you have, starting tomorrow, two and three days, rounding off a three-game swing where you had quad one or quad two on the slate, then you're going to play a couple of bums that do not fit that category, yet ACC teams that you can't slip on a banana peel against. So, you know, while I, I say that's what they are, they're not good teams. Uh, this is ACC basketball, and anything can happen on any given night and all the requisite cliches I'm supposed to attach to those conversations. But in terms of the desperately needed quality wins, there are two sitting on the board that Syracuse has a chance at starting 
at Blacksburg. Don't forget, we will have pregame coverage for you tomorrow at 6 o'clock because Syracuse and Virginia Tech will tip off at 7 o'clock, right? And then uh, you're going to have Brian Higgins and Eric Devendorf breaking it down for you on the postgame show. Uh, that will be on QSportsTalk.com only, programming note on that front. But uh, we're ready to rock and roll, get you going tomorrow for Syracuse and Virginia Tech. But why wait till then when we can tell you now what the five keys to victory are? I heard the voice man say number one. And number one is, hello, Hunter. You'll recall the last time that Syracuse and Virginia Tech played, we thought that Hunter Couture would play in that game. Hunter Couture did not play in that game, and I think that made a big difference. And there's certainly no surprise as to why Virginia Tech came up close but no cigar in a lot of their wins. You, know, you see, you hear announcers say these kind of things, and sometimes you roll your eyes. But Virginia Tech truly is better than their record. You want to talk about Syracuse losing close games as of late, and that's been an interesting topic that Jim Beheim talked about on his show last night and was talked about in Orange Nation yesterday. Virginia Tech's lost a bunch of close games. Before they beat Duke earlier this week, they had lost seven in a row. But when you go and you look at the scores of those games, and I'll do that for you now as to prove my point here, this is not a team that's getting its doors blown off. This is not a team that is not competitive. This is not a team... Again, the net ranking shows you they're a quality team and what people think of their schedule and how they're playing, right? But this is not a team. Two and seven looks bad, right? But go through it here. They lost to Boston College by five. They lost to Wake Forest by two. They lost to Clemson by three. They lost to NC State by four. Now, Syracuse actually got them by 10 in that game at the Dome, but that's kind of an oddity in a sense because Virginia did the same thing. But then look at the next two games, right? They lost to Clemson again by one point, 51-50. Duke, they get the win. There was not a blowout in the bunch. Every one of those games was by 10 points or less. This is a team that fights, scratches, claws, competes, and now they've got Hunter Couture back. And the big thing there is, and that brings us to point number two. Number two. Syracuse has got to hit threes in this game. They need Chris Bell to compliment Joe Girard. They need Girard to be around what he was against North Carolina, what he's been doing lately, hitting five, six, three-pointers a game in kind of his normal range there. I think you need a couple add-ons there. I think this is a team that's going to have to hit 10 three-pointers against Virginia Tech to win because Couture comes back. He's a terrific three-point shooter, and he just kind of gets them over that edge. He gives them that extra scoring punch that they need. It's going to be a much different game from the first game at the Dome. In that game, Syracuse did hit their threes, and they defended the three-point line well. Virginia Tech went 3 of 19 from distance in that game. This is a team that just does not do that. This is a team that typically shoots better than that, is more efficient than that, and I don't think you can count on that again. It'd be great if Syracuse played good enough defense for that to happen and covered the three-point line and got out there. But Hunter Couture brings such an element back to this team that was not there the first time around. Number three. Finish. I'm not even going to bother with you have to start better. I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to put it on the list this time. Slow starts this, slow starts that. It is an issue, but I'm going to focus on finish because it's something that Syracuse has not done against good teams. 
Now, Jim Beheim would dispute that a little bit. You play close games, you're going to win something, you're going to lose something. That's, with a young team, you're probably going to lose a few more than you would win. That's just the nature of the game. Judas made a couple really good drives at the end of the games, and, and then at the Miami game and the North Carolina game, he made two bad decisions. He tried to go through people and uh, instead of just going around. That, that happens with freshmen. Finish this time. See, against Virginia Tech the first time around, it was not a situation where it was close down the stretch. You needed a play or two in the last minute of the game. They had that one. They won that game by 10. They started well in that game. They defended well at the three-point line. They hit their threes, and they did not go into the last minute of the game fretting. It's like everything we usually see from Syracuse did not happen in the first game, in the first matchup. So... Let's focus on finish. Now, you start slow at Virginia Tech. I wouldn't advise that, as we'll get to in another key coming up here. But let's just not even mention it. It's a 7 o'clock game. I don't anticipate that they're going to come out slow in a 7 o'clock game in an environment like that. I'd be a little more nervous if it was a noon game or an early afternoon game when it just kind of lends itself to slow starts. But I don't even say that, Brent. Focus on finishing. Number four. Bell and Benny. Let me say that again and use the key word there. Bell and Benny. Because what we've got too much of lately is one or the other. Now, this is a key that I've put out there before, much like the slow starts and some of the things that you hear repeat themselves when we talk about this team. I think this is a game where you're going to need both. I mentioned the added three-point shots you're going to need. If Benny can give you a couple, if Benny can stay on the floor, not that Malik Brown can't come in and help you. Malik Brown is just as consistent as it comes. I forget to put him in this list often because he's just so darn dependable, right? But I think this is a game Bell and Benny because, like I said, the difference today, or the difference in this game, I should say, and having this conversation today, extra three-point shots. they got to come from somewhere, and they got to come from Bell and Benny. Now, not to say Justin Taylor can't come in and contribute here, but Justin Taylor's been pretty quiet as of late. Justin Taylor hasn't the opportunity to come in into a rhythm and get quality minutes to do that, not to say he can't tomorrow. So you have three guys here that have been lurking that show at times they can do this. Virginia Tech is the type of team, this is the type of game. Bell and Benny, you could even say and Justin, but I won't be greedy, I'll just pick two. You need Bell and Benny in a game like this. Number five. Crowd control. Earlier today on Orange Nation, you heard uh, budding young star uh, Giovanni Heater, Syracuse native, tell you this, and I thought he made a great point about the home environment at Blacksburg. You know, we think of home environments in the ACC, there's other places that come to mind. Cameron Indoor comes to mind. The Dean Dome comes to mind, right? Some of the more traditional places you go in the ACC. Typically, Virginia Tech doesn't roll off the tongue as one of those, hey, that's one of the toughest places to play type of thing. But not only did Geo say it earlier, Jim Beheim said it on his program last night and on the QSportsTalk.com chat as well about Virginia Tech 
being one of those places that maybe doesn't get the reputation as a tough place to play, but certainly is a tough place to play because it is. It's an all-concrete building. The way that the the building is structured is odd. It kind of – I'm going to find that clip because I think Gio explained it well earlier today on Orange Nation. But it's just a strange circumstance. And, again, for whatever reasons, you just don't think of that place as being intimidating. But you, you run into these gyms, these unique places – in the ACC. Here's Gio earlier today with, uh, looks like Mario was in today with Steve on that. Two, they can give Syracuse a look that they didn't see before with Hunter Couture in the ball game. Uh, and three, you know, I think Castle Coliseum is one of the more underrated spots in the ACC. Um, it's an arena that is very steep. It's old. It's completely built out of concrete. It just gets loud in there. And it's a, it's a Saturday night. Um, the place is going to be packed. It's a sellout. It'll be a lot of fun. For that reason, I think it's just tough to go and win on the road. If it was at the Dome, I'd tell you Syracuse is going to win. Uh, but I think that, that different look with Hunter Couture could give Syracuse a little bit of trouble early. Um, and if Virginia Tech can find a way to have a good shooting night, which they typically do, um, that Syracuse game was certainly an outlier. Um, I, I think that Tech can find a way to get a win. But it'll certainly. That was Geo earlier today on Orange Nation. That's going to be a crowd that's on top of you. It's a desperate team. They're feeling it a little bit. They got a win earlier this week. They snapped the losing streak, but they know they've still got a lot of work to do here. I mentioned it a few minutes ago. Everybody watches Virginia Tech, and then they look at that record, and they say that's a better team than that. If you're Syracuse, don't let them prove that. You must continue that description. You must extend that description. That's not an easy team to play right there, but we beat them. You can't let that description come true and that they were better than their record and beat you. It's not an easy place to play. You've already seen them a couple weeks ago, Couture in there. There's a lot of factors in this game that are not there. So it's not only what you're facing in them, it's what Syracuse needs to add to the recipe. Hello, Hunter. Hit your threes. Finish. Bell and Benny. Crowd control. You do those five things, or maybe even just a combination of those five things, maybe three out of five, you will beat Virginia Tech. And then you got to turn around and play Virginia on Monday. Not an easy thing to do. How would you like to go to that game? Uncle Brent's got a little surprise for you here at the end of the monologue. Caller 7 right now at 437-7644. Caller 7, you will get a pair of tickets Monday night Syracuse, Virginia, at the Dome. Rock and roll. Caller number 7 at 437-7644. You're a winner. We're all winners next because uh, Tim Leonard is going to join us to break down Syracuse women's basketball and all things uh, Syracuse. As, uh, Tim certainly keeps a close eye on those things. Looking forward to doing that next. You're on the block, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. We're back after this. This is On the Block with Brent Welcome back, friends. Great to have you here on the block, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Thanks to Josh and Matt one last time. Spectacular work on the show. Both moving on to work for gambling companies. I mean, you couldn't have planned that any better. Uh, Speaking of which, maybe you're 
you're thinking about a wager on uh, Super Bowl 57 as we are down to the pick two. Pick six to the pick four to pick two. Only two will come out of this weekend and head for Phoenix in Super Bowl 57. We start in the NFC Championship game. Niners-Eagles. Philly. Minus two and a half. The over-under is 46. The FPI, according to ESPN, at 65% on Philly by an average of four and a half points. San Francisco is the only NFC team never to have played a playoff game in Philadelphia. Mr. Irrelevant. Passed over by Syracuse football. Brock Purdy, 6-1 and one against the spread as a starting quarterback. All is a favorite. That ties the fifth longest favorite streak to begin a career by any quarterback since the 1970 merger, including the playoffs. San Francisco has covered five straight playoff games, the longest active streak by any team. All four previous rookie quarterbacks to reach the conference title game, Sean King, Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Flacco, and Mark Sanchez have lost Purdy is to become the first-ever rookie quarterback to reach the Super Bowl. He will have to beat a Philadelphia pass rush, which got to Daniel Jones five times last week and led the league with 70 sacks during the regular season. Now, the Eagles have led the league in pass defense and sacks, while the Niners lead the way in interceptions and were second in rush defense. Christian McCaffrey makes a bit of a difference there. He scored a touchdown in eight straight games. Jalen Hurts on the Eagles side of things. 332 passing yards per game. Seven touchdowns against top 10 defenses this season. I think he showed last week he's healthy, he's good. Injury not a concern. Now San Francisco has heavily relied on pre-snap notion to help Purdy. They use it 73% of the time on his dropbacks, including in the postseason. And he's excelled. Ranking fourth in QBR and first in yards per attempt at 9.2 among passes with at least 100 attempts. That is going to be tested by an Eagles pass defense, which has allowed the league's lowest QBR and third lowest yards per attempt to opposing quarterbacks on plays with pre-snap notion. Eagles are 15-1 and when Jalen Hurts starts. And you're facing the Niners' number one ranked defense. The Niners' streak of 27 straight games without allowing a rusher to get past 70 yards. One more for you. The Niners struggled against mobile quarterbacks. Fifth in the NFL in yards allowed per rush to quarterbacks this year at 3.4 yards per attempt. Jalen Hurts ranks fourth among quarterbacks in rushing yards and first in rushing touchdowns. First matchup, San Francisco Week 2. He ran for 82 yards. Touchdown. Look, I picked the Philadelphia Eagles to make the Super Bowl in August. The other half of that pick was the Buffalo Bills. So let's just not talk about that. Eagles take down the Niners. All this talk about the Niners defense. I just gave you the numbers. That Eagles defense is pretty darn good, too. I think they get to Brock Purdy. Finally, the Purdy party is over. We're not going to Brock and roll all night. We're going to sack you every day. Eagles to the Super Bowl. Let's go to the AFC now. This is going to hurt. <laughs> this should be talking about another team that resides in Western New York right now. But we will 
somehow plow through. Bengals Chiefs, Kansas City minus one and a half. The over-under is 47. This is the fifth straight conference championship game hosted by Kansas City. That is a record. Joe Burrow, however, 3-0 against Patty Mahomes, including that comeback in last year's AFC championship game. FPI has Kansas City at 65.5% to win. Kansas City 7-11 against the spread this year, and those 11 against the spread losses are the most by any team entering a conference championship round in the Super Bowl era. Kansas City was 2-11 against the spread in AFC games this season, and 0-4 against the spread with more than six days of rest. Cincinnati, meanwhile, is 21-5 against the spread in the past 26 games including the postseason, and it's 13-5 and five against the spread record this year, was the second best in the National Football League. This line was all over the place this week, as you can imagine, with Patrick Mahomes' ankle injury. It settled at one and a half. It was at three. It's all over. Check it before you bet on it because that number has been fluctuating. The Bengals are on a 10-game win streak, and both teams are 11-0 when they score first. So something's got to give there. Cincinnati ranked fifth in red zone efficiency on offense this year. They tied for ninth on defense during the regular season. While Kansas City's offense scores plenty of touchdowns inside the 20-yard line, they're second there. The red zone defense was one of the worst in the league this year, 31. Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes are first and second in touchdown passes and throws under two and a half seconds including the playoffs. They get rid of the ball. Now, how's that going to affect Mahomes? The ankle. The Chiefs, after the catch, their yak, no one's better at it. They generated more yards after the catch than any team this season, 2,908, and the third highest per catch average of any offense in the National Football League. Mahomes led the NFL in QBR, 73, on throws inside the pocket. That's where he's going to be in this game because he can't scramble around as much. Maybe you guys have heard he's got a high ankle sprain. Did we mention that a little bit? Mahomes had one of the best QBR outings inside the pocket and one of his worst QBR showings from outside the pocket when the most recent matchup between Cincinnati and Kansas City. Super Bowl 57. Philadelphia against Cincinnati. The Bengals do it. They make it 4-0 against Patty Mahomes. They go into Kansas City and rip their hearts out again. Eagles, Bengals at Super Bowl 57. That is the pick two. We'll head down the home stretch next. You're on the block. ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com.